Mom, I'm doing Frog Pod. All right, welcome to their episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Ladies and gentlemen, March Madness is here. The frogs are going dancing. We have the bracket. We know what our path to Houston is going to be. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this March Madness is setting up to be one of, if not the craziest marches of all time, because anyone can be anyone. It seems like, Alan, we break down this bracket. There's that upset makes sense. That upset makes sense. This team winning it all makes sense. It's a fun time. And I cannot remember a bracket that is as deep as this one. Throughout this episode, we're going to talk about TCU, the, their potential opponent. We don't know who it is yet. They're playing tonight as we record this. We're going to talk about the Frogs' path, regardless of who we play. And then we're going to give our predictions for the tournament itself. We'll talk about the Final Four, who we think makes the Houston, who can win it all in Houston, and maybe a few upset picks, depending on how much time we have. But Mr. Taylor, first of all, I just want your instant reaction to this bracket, how the committee did, because many people said that they overseeded too many teams. I underseeded too many teams. What are your initial thoughts on this bracket? I would say my main initial thought was it feels like a lot of the regions are very unbalanced, especially when you talk about from a TCU perspective. I think that the West region of this bracket is so unfair. When you talk about having Kansas, UCLA, TCU as the sixth seed, Gonzaga, UConn, all on one just quadrant within this regional bracket is unfair in my opinion, especially when you compare it to the East, where the East you're running out teams like Purdue, Marquette, Kansas State, as well as two weak four and five seeds in Tennessee and Duke, where, yeah, they have big program names, but their teams aren't as good as they have been in years past. So I would say that's the main thing for me is just the unbalanced between each region. Exactly, Alan. This, we haven't seen an unbalance like this. And for a tournament that has so many teams that are so good, it really kind of surprised me, the layout of this. Uh, it, it's it's kind of uh, – it's you're in a different space here in college basketball now when you have such deep lineups and such deep rosters of teams where you could say, oh, a team like TCU is a six-seed Normally, when TCU's in the tournament, you say, oh, six seed, good for them. They had a great season. That's actually lower than Frog fans were expecting. So just the fact that there were that many teams that, for all we could consider, above the Frogs in terms of seed line, lets you know how crazy uh, this bracket really is. But as we dive into this, Alan, uh, the one seeds, Bama, Purdue, uh, in the top right, help me draw my memory here. Houston. Houston. So sorry. And then Kansas. Those one seeds made sense. We said it for a long time that those were going to be the one seeds. The winner of the Big 12, Purdue, Houston, and Alabama. They got that right. You could break it down each seed line, but we're not going to do that. But in essence here, Alan, is 
Have we ever felt the vulnerability as the of the one seed as much as we do this year? Because frankly, in our opinion, you know, Kansas is a very good team, but there are de- the West region would be the most difficult region. Them going to the Final Four would be super impressive c- considering the history of defending champions. Purdue has been a big question mark all year. We don't really know how legit they are. You know, you and I personally don't believe that they're as good as people are saying they are. Bama has had issues, but seem to get bailed out a lot. And then Houston, who seems to be you and I's consensus best team in the country right now, they don't play the competition that Bama or Kansas played in the regular season. So when you make up of all those things, Alan, how do you navigate a bracket like that when there's so much unpredictability? I would say the main thing with me is is when you look at these brackets, you aren't picking based on a spread. You're just picking on who's going to win the game. And with that being said, the better team does win the game most of the time. And a lot of these Big 12 teams have been conditioned to playing incredibly high level of basketball over the last three to four months, where a lot of teams haven't had to deal with that on a night-in, night-out basis. And that's when you think about a team like Kansas. Well, Kansas is in a position where they're going to be playing very good teams likely in this weekend, where Arkansas looks like a likely opponent for them. If it's not Arkansas, it's probably going to be Illinois that is going to bring them a big challenge just on Saturday or Sunday. Past that point, when you think about the bracket as a whole, you have to think about who's going to be the champion. Who are the teams that are actually built to be able to win these six games or five games you need to be able to actually cut down the nets in Houston? And I think there's very few teams that are actually capable of doing that for that amount of games in a row to get there. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later when we give our picks, Alan. But let's talk about the Horn Frogs, TCU. Uh, we're going to Denver. I've told Athletic Director Jeremiah Donati, TCU has gotten blessed with the locations. Last year, we were in San Diego uh, for March Madness. Our, our run to the National Championship in football consisted of Phoenix and L.A., you know, we, we're getting these amazing sites and places that are full of frogs and easy for our frog fans to travel. We easily, Alan, last year could have had uh, Buffalo, New York. We could have gone to Atlanta, Georgia and played a national championship game in Indianapolis. But instead, we were blessed with great weather, great cities that are easy for us frog fans to travel. So we're going out to Denver. We're playing the winner of tonight's first four game, Arizona State and Nevada. It, that game is going to be very, very late. It's going to be a 9-10 Eastern Standard Time tip, and the winner of that game has to book it from all the way from Dayton, Ohio, to Denver, Colorado. Alan, I don't know how much you've gotten to look at these two teams, but when you look at Arizona State, you look at Nevada. One, who do you think there is going to win? And two, what kind of threats do both teams play uh, if they were to advance and play the Horned Frogs? So I actually think Nevada is going to win the game first and foremost. I've actually watched Nevada play some of the late night games so far this year. And the main thing with Nevada is they have a true big guy that can score from all three levels. His name is Will Baker. He's a big guy that's left-handed that really is able to be a versatile player on offense, but doesn't bring a whole lot to them on defense. He's a left-handed shooter that typically does best from the top of the key. They don't really move him much laterally. And past that point, they like putting his back to the basket, and he has a pretty solid hook shot. We saw what happened in the Big 12 tournament with Texas being able to dominate in the in the inside against us, so I think that could potentially, potentially cause problems. But at the same time, they got to get through an Arizona State team that arguably has one of the best road wins all year as Arizona State beat Arizona in Tucson. So the, both teams – present their problems, Alan. But for me, as a TCU fan, my advice to the fan base is 
this TCU team is battle tested. And when you really look at the region, I don't, we didn't have the time to look this up, nor do I have the resources really to, to look up how many times a team seeded five or lower has played and won against a one seed in that region. Many people might forget TCU went to Fog Allen and I think personally has the best win of any team in this tournament by going to Fog Allen and beating Kansas, not only beating Kansas, but giving Bill Self his worst home loss as the head coach at KU. I'm taking away that their bad loss against Texas because of COVID fans weren't there. So you think about it, this team was able to do that in Lawrence without Micah Peavy. That lets you know that this team can be dangerous. And if you're a TCU fan, your mentality should be, A, we played in the Big 12. B, we beaten the one seed bad on the road. And C, I think from a mental standpoint, this team is going to be prepared for any challenge that sets forth. Alan, you and I were there in San Diego last year when we played Arizona. That was one of the highest, if not still to this day, the highest level of basketball we've seen TCU play. And the way that game ended and all that transpired is going to be brought up to those guys multiple times if they were to advance. This team is prepared for March. It's in a similar situation. And I think that this is potentially a team that the only thing stopping them from making a run is themselves, honestly. Because if we play Gonzaga, I think that while they're going to poise some problems that we can talk about later, uh, this team overall is still better. I believe that. Yeah, the the issue of not having Eddie Lampkin with this group anymore does present a whole set of issues, especially on the defensive end for me, and basically gets rid of the little depth that you did have at the center position. That's going to be an issue against a team like Gonzaga when you talk about what they bring to the table in one of the best low post scores, frankly, in the whole country, who's also a DFW Metroplex kid and Drew Timmy, who would definitely be looking to make a statement against one of his hometown teams in the round of 32 if we were to get there. So, But as you said, we played an incredibly good two games in San Diego last year, frankly. And the key to that was we were really able to score from the perimeter. Damian Ball was shooting well. Chuck O'Bannon was shooting well. And then guys like Micah Peavy really started to come into their own. This year, if they're able to build on that experience and really capitalize on the moment, this team definitely does have a higher ceiling than the nine-seeded Horton Frogs from 2022. Exactly my point. And I present this to anyone who asks me how I feel about the Gonzaga game. I say, all right, is could this Gonzaga team beat last year's Arizona team? I say no every time. I just don't see it. And I say, is this TCU team better than last year's team at full strength? I personally believe so. I think their ceiling's higher just because they've had a whole other year playing together. I, I think that Damian Ball is a better player than he was last year uh, in terms of how he carries himself and in terms of how he protects the basketball. The question is going to be, like you said, outside shooting. Chuck O'Bannon in that Arizona game started off scorching hot, and he was making big-time shots. Micah Peavy was a non-offensive threat in that game, and he has since added a three-point shot that is not at a very high clip, but strides ahead of where he was last year. So in this predicament, I say if you run it back to the situation from last year, we're we're a better team overall, and Gonzaga is a worse team than Arizona was last year. I know we're missing Eddie Lampkin, and he had a big game, his biggest game of his career against Arizona last year. But let's not forget that on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Coloco had a better game than Eddie Lampkin when they went one-on-one. So it's a give and a take here. Well, you do lose Eddie's 20 2.11 rebound performance, you're probably not going to be giving up the exact same thing that Coloco had last year, even though you are playing a player in Drew Timmy that 
if you think it might be better than uh, Coloco. But Alan, to this point, what is the frog ceiling in this tournament? TCU could win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, if weirder things have happened, Alan, this is a. I mean, have we played a six game stretch where we've had national championship potential? I don't think we've even stayed healthy for six straight games. I think about it. Yeah, I mean, when you think about teams that have been on similar runs like this, think about the UConn team, not the Kimball Walker team, but actually the Shabazz Napier team when mm-hmm. he was able to lead a massive run and cut down the nets. Teams like this can be able to find runs, and these you just have to get a little bit of momentum. If you can find a way to beat a team that's going to, frankly, have some travel issues like we talked about, be able to capitalize on that momentum and get a big win against likely Gonzaga. Who knows? Maybe Grand Canyon beats Gonzaga. Crazier things have happened. And then if you can get past that point, you're playing in a Sweet 16 game that, you know, Mike Miles is going to be playing on the biggest stage of his career and going to get a real chance to show why he was the Big 12 preseason player of the year. And if you get there, anything is possible. Exactly. And I think that our likely opponent in UCLA, they don't have their best defensive player. Tiger Campbell is a great point guard. I've been watching Tiger Campbell since he was in high school out of La Lamere. Jaime Jaquez is a great player. And trust me, if we are blessed enough to get to that point, it's not going to be easy. It's going to have some nightmares of that Arizona team, you know, the two seed, you know, that whole thing. But like you said, crazy things have happened. And I think for me, Alan, is that not only myself, but TCU fans want to see, we want to see Mike Miles truly take over. I, I was talking to some people earlier this week, and I said, as much as I love Mike Miles and what he brings, and I think how talented a player he is, when we he got that Big 12 preseason player of the year, we were had high expectations, and he's put it on himself as well. And I know he's had an injury. But outside of the Baylor game, there wasn't a game where Mike Miles, to me, willed us to a win the way we thought it was. And the fact that we're still in the position we are shows how good this team is because Mike has been injured, he's had his off nights, and we've still competed at this high of a level. If Mike Miles can be the Mike Miles we saw in Waco or somewhere close to that for one or two games during this March Madness run or whatever, this team very well could be in Houston and we might be doing a frog pod live from H-Town. Yeah, and I will say one more thing from a tactical perspective is TCU's one of the things that we do the best is we press the ball. And one of the things about the NCAA tournament that's a massive difference from the Big 12 tournament is the built-in off day. And I expect us to be able to force tempo upon these teams and not allow for big guys to really get stationary. And for that point, really, it's going to be a bigger effect in the first game, given that, yes, it's rest v. Russ. It's we're going to be more rust more rusty but also more well-rested than whoever we're playing coming out of tonight's game versus Arizona State and Nevada. But at the same time, we're going to be playing at an elevation. We're going to be playing it in a position where we're going to be going eight, nine deep and able to put a press on Arizona State or Nevada to a point where hopefully we can capitalize in the second half and catapult ourselves to a big enough and comfortable lead to make us feel confident going into Saturday or Sunday. Agreed. Now, that's the last we're going to say on this, Alan. We're not going to get predictions. We're done with that business. But when it's all said and done, you said you, you gave the X Factor of the fast break. Who is your X Factor player? I said Mike Miles. Who is your guy besides Mike Miles? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So besides Mike Miles, I'm going to have to go with Xavier Court. 
I'm, I'm going to say that he's a guy that's going to have to be very effective on the rebounding side of things, more, most importantly. He's frankly shied away from every single big moment that hasn't been in Schollmeyer Arena. He's a great player at home, always has been, frankly, but he looks very uncomfortable outside of Fort Worth, Texas, and he's going to have to play well without Lampkin there at all. Frankly, I don't think Solomon Doomby is ready for that role. I don't think he's ready to play real minutes in NCAA tournament games. And I think that Coles has to really be able to step up as well. I think Jacoby Coles is the guy that's going to be have to have to do most of the scoring from the five spot. And if Cork and Coles are able to really complement one another and give us very serviceable minutes, this team has a real chance to be successful. All right, that transitions us into who we think, frankly, can get to the Final Four in our actual Final Four predictions. Alan, I know we're not a predicting business, but this is not for the Horn Frogs, so it's fine. If Give me your final four, and then we'll kind of go over that. I'll try not to repeat because I think we have a slightly different final four, but give me your gut instinct final four. Uh, my gut instinct final four is going to be Alabama coming out of the south, Kansas State going the team from Manhattan, Kansas, winning the east region in Manhattan, New York, and then Houston out of the Midwest, and then Kansas out of the west. Got it. Okay, so you have three one seeds and – who is your East seed? What seed line? A three. Kansas State's the three seed in the East. Got it. Okay. So you have three, three one seeds and a three seed. Uh, Alan, who do you think wins the national championship off of that final four that you have? I think Jim Nance calling his final final four will in Houston, Texas, will be calling a game when the University of Houston is winning the national championship. So give me the University of Houston Cougars. Big 12. Big 12 team right there. They have a Big 12 logo all throughout their athletic department now. Big 12 team. Um, I like those final four picks. My final four is a little bit different. Uh, I have Arizona coming out of that side of the bracket. I know they pose troubles, but I just think that their front court and their pace would be great. And the fact that Alabama sometimes struggles to score and they've had comebacks where they, their front court kind of shuts down. I think Tubelis and Balo give them fits, uh, especially with Betty Ako. In the front court, so I'll give me Arizona uh, uh, out of the East region. I'm going to go with Memphis, Penny Hardaway, and the Tigers, Kendrick Davis, former Frog. I think this is one of those stories where you could see a team that's surging the right direction. And frankly, like we said, it's an easier region. I think they can beat Florida Atlantic. I think I didn't think they can beat Purdue, given the veteran guardship of Memphis. I love their draw against either Duke or Tennessee or Louisiana, whoever comes out of that part. And then once you get to the elite eight, anything can happen, whoever they're playing, whether it be Marquette, Kansas state, Kentucky, Providence. I like Memphis and their veteranship. And I think Penny Hardaway is due for a breakout March madness run. I'll go in the top right of the bracket. Give me the Texas Longhorns and out of the West region. I'll go with the Yukon. This final four is all teams that are experienced with coaches that, haven't had that breakthrough yet. There's they're, they're talking about teams that, you know, every year there's that seems to be a team that finally pushes through. Kansas last year, their first one since 08. People were questioning if Bill Self could win another championship. Baylor with Scott Drew finally after he's been there for almost 20-plus years. So my theme is you, I'm picking coaches. I know they're not all going to happen, but these are all situations where I could see coaches who have good teams making that push finally after so much experience in March. And of those winning, it's between Texas and UConn for me. 
Uh, if these guys were on opposite sides of the bracket, I definitely could see them being in a championship game. UConn was so hot to start the year. They kind of plateaued a little bit. Now they're kicking it back in. They they should have beaten Marquette. Uh, I think if uh, UConn's head coach is another opportunity in that situation, he calls a timeout. So I think this UConn team can really score. They have a great length. They're big. They're physical. So I think UConn could get it done. But ultimately, the other day, I'm taking the Big 12 team who's been experienced and give me the Texas Longhorns in Houston. We'll call it a Big 12 win because they'll be in the Big 12 next year. Um, but that, that, that's who I think can win it all, Alan. And this this is awesome. The fact that you and I can have two different Final Fours and it make complete sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and when you talk about the Big 12 as a whole, we all have a lot of Big 12 representation in there. So it's going to be a really great tournament, really great to see, and I'm excited to get it started tomorrow. Exactly. All right, Alan, before we depart out of here, give one upset pick, team that double-digit seed, who you think, I'm going to put you on the spot here, that goes to the second weekend. Uh, give me the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, my good friend, Jeff Capel, I met him up here in South Bend, Indiana. Nice guy. I'm going to give him friend of the podcast. Jeff Capel leads Pitt Panthers to the second weekend. I love that pick. That You know the stat that a first-four team has advanced to at least around 32 every year except for one. TCU's playing a playing team, so I really hope that Pittsburgh knocks that out of the window uh, early on so we don't have to deal with that uh, mojo towards the end of our game. But I love, love the pit pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Drake. going to go with Drake, same side, uh, same region, actually. I think Drake is old. I think they're experienced. I think they're a program that's been waiting for that you know little here-we-are run. You and I had them winning the Missouri Valley, and they ran Bradley out the water. They really weren't uncontested in that tournament. They have a bunch of guys, transfers from Power 6 schools. They have a great head coach. I think Drake can get it done. Miami has some question marks injury-wise in the front court, and Drake has a center who is 6'10", 275 pounds. That can, he's not a scorer, but he's a defensive threat, and he gets rebounds. And then they have to play the winner of Indiana, and Kent State, and frankly, you know, my opinion on Indiana, I don't think they're as good as advertised. So give me the Drake Bulldogs in the Sweet 16. Okay, Alan, anything else? Uh, nothing else for me. Just shout out Tom Hoagie, top five at the players. That was a course record, too, at TPC. Uh, Sawgrass, yeah. great, great record to have. You know, he's he's had a, a nice little stretch here, Pebble Beach last year, top five, you know, we see Tom Hoagie win a major. It's going to be a good day to be a Horned Frog. Exactly. There's nothing else than that. Just go Frogs. All right. We'd like to thank Owen Graham, our graphics designer. We'd like to thank producer Schlossnagel. Uh, we also like to thank our mascot, Maple. And we also like to thank our director of content, Jameson Mullen, and our super fan, Nicholas Capasso. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Frog Pod podcast. If the Frogs do advance to the Sweet 16, we will have a podcast next week if they lose. 50-50, depending on if we're in a stage of mourning or not. Uh, but that's just kind of where we'll be at from this point on next week. Remember to share the podcast, like, and subscribe. We're up to 31 five-star ratings, which is a great job uh, in the podcast world, especially for a podcast of our size and a niche subject like this. So thank you all that have liked and subscribed. Please share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the Instagram, Frog Pod Podcast. Repost, share. Uh, we thank you all so much for being a part of this and uh, hope your brackets do well. Not better than me or Mr. Taylor's though. Uh, always remember to make every day your best day and go frogs.